Welcome to the Living With Chronic Illness Podcast. I'm Mariel Metcalf, Head of Living With at Research Partnership. Our first series, Living With Nash, focuses on how this disease affects the life of Katie, who was diagnosed six years ago. In this episode, we will be examining her experiences with managing Nash. We hope you find this podcast of value. And if you want to find out more, please visit researchpartnership.com forward slash living with. So Katie, you've already spoken to us about your experience with diagnosis, the impact of NASH on daily living. So now I'd like to talk to you more about in terms of coping with NASH. And I know we probably touched on some of these subjects previously as well. You had mentioned to me that you do see the hepatologist who manages NASH. Could you just remind us again the recommendations your hepatologist has made about helping you manage NASH? What has he or she said about it? Right. So in the beginning, five or six years ago, it was lifestyle changes. It was just eating clean and drinking lots of water, being very active, losing weight. At least 5% of your body weight can make a big difference, I was told. And really, you know, little things like vitamin E and daily supplements and things like that were something that I was told I could try but weren't necessarily recommended other than the lifestyle changes. And then eventually, you know, a couple years down the line, we moved into discussions about clinical trials. I think in that early stage where you said, you know, in the first couple of years, that was really what they've just asked you to do. How did you get on with it? Did you try to follow it to the letter? I guess what we're trying to understand is, did you think you were successful in doing it or could you have had more support? I definitely think I could have had more support because I didn't know what I was doing. I mean... <laughs> I'm not a nutritionist and I wasn't given a nutritionist. I wasn't given a recommendation for a nutritionist. I just looked for labels that said organic or no preservatives. I tried real hard not to eat out as much as I did because I traveled so much. I've always been a small person and not necessarily someone who loved exercise. So walking a lot and being on the treadmill is really all I knew how to do. So I felt like I was kind of floating by myself. I, I just wasn't sure. And every time the doctor would see me for a, a scan or blood work, you know, twice a year, once a year, however it was, you know, he would say, well, you know, you look stable. You must be doing something right. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm doing anything right. And I didn't know if what I was doing was keeping me stable or if, you know, that's just the way the disease works and then the shoe will drop someday. So I don't know. I think if I was, let's say I was 300 pounds and I lost 50 pounds, I would say, yes, I was successful. I, I, you know, I worked my butt off and I was great. I don't know if what I did was successful or not. I definitely think I could have used support of a nutritionist, some sort of guideline, maybe a book, you know, maybe a journal that, that we could 
write-in that was specific to how to take care of yourself and your liver and all of those different things would have been helpful to me. But at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. I just tried to do everything. I even did like a meal service. I did all kinds of yeah. stuff trying to help myself. I don't know if I helped myself <laughs> or not. <laughs> well, that, I mean, but it, you know, it makes yeah. you feel like you have some sort of control when you have like a plan in place. This is how I'm going to eat. This is how I'm going to move. This is how many steps I'm going to take every day. That gives you some sort of control in this uncontrollable situation. Well, let me ask you about those times when you did go to your checkups with, with your doctor saying, look, I, I've done these things. I mean, how did that, how did you feel when it sounds like you were still left a bit lacking in, in knowledge about how really you were doing? What, what did those checkups feel like for you at that time? Yeah, so they were surreal, really. I mean, as long as the checkups looked good, and what I mean by look good is they weren't worse, that, you know, it wasn't worse than the one before, right? I was made to feel like I had been doing something right, even if it was during the months that I wasn't really necessarily doing anything different. So that it was like, wow, you know, you're looking pretty stable. You know, your numbers have come down just a little bit. You're doing great. And bam, that would be the extent of the office visit. And I would be so happy that I would forget to ask any questions. I would be like, okay, see you in six months. And then I had one where my numbers were a little higher. And that one was reviewed by that same, that same surgeon who told me to do the gastric bypass. And he was like, well, your numbers are a little higher this time. What are you doing wrong? And so it was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm doing what I'm always doing. So I think if I was somebody who had like a drinking problem or if I was obese, I would just be so offended or made to feel like you caused this yourself. You know, you put, got yourself into this mess. You need to get yourself out of this mess. You know, I can just imagine, only imagine how they feel because I felt helpless and and I just kind of feel like this was my bad luck. So yeah, it, it was tough. So if you, as you are now, knowing what you know, could advise yourself from the three, four years ago when you were doing these checkups with the doctors, you know, would you offer yourself any advice to say, well, when you do go up to the checkup, these are the questions you should be asking the doctor to really know whether you're doing well or not. If there was, you know, some Q&A that I could print off to take to the doctor because you know a lot of times you're in the doctor's office you get overwhelmed or they're in a rush and you forget to ask questions you know your mind goes blank but if you had a piece of paper something that you downloaded something on your phone that said you know ask these things you know what the heck is a MELD score I learned that off the internet you know nobody ever talked to me about a MELD score you know, what's the difference between fibrosis and cirrhosis? I don't know. It's the same there. It's all scarring, right? These are all the things that I thought. And if I had asked those questions, you know, what stage am I? And is a stage different than F2, F3? What is F? What does F mean? What does cirrhosis mean? Can you reverse cirrhosis? So many questions that I would just try to hunt down the answers to on the internet that my doctor should have been talking to me about. 
you know, I should have asked, are there any conferences for people with NASH disease? Are there any clinical trials for people with NASH disease? All of those things I feel like I should have asked the very first year that I didn't get to ask until year three when I realized, hey, you know, I'm living with this and I might be living with this for a very long time. <laughs> so I need to get on that horse and start asking some questions because before then I just thought, oh, I'm about to die. <laughs> you know? There's yeah. nothing they can do about this disease and I'm about to die. So let's jump out of a plane and let's buy a house you can't afford. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yes, yes, definitely. If definitely more support for people and more information for people with this disease is, is definitely needed. So you had mentioned in another discussion as well that you said, okay, you were told diet, exercise, that kind of thing is the only thing you could do. And you had also mentioned that your expectation was that there was a treatment or there should have been a treatment, something like that. How did that feel or informed? It's not treatable at the moment. What feelings were you going through at the time? Well, that's a, it's, it's a lot of pressure for sure, because you're, in that case, your survival 100% depends on the way that you care for yourself and the way that your body may respond or react or the way that your specific liver is going to decide how to act all of those things other than you know what you put in your mouth and your activity level a lot of that stuff is just completely out of your control so if there's not a treatment protocol if there's nothing external that you can do to help yourself i mean it's kind of a hopeless feeling you know where what helps you? You know, how do you find help for yourself? And it just, you know, I've never encountered a situation where there wasn't a treatment. You know, you cut yourself, you get stitches, you get an infection, you get antibiotics. Even in cancer care, you know, there are certain treatment options to stop the cancer growth or to eliminate the tumor or whatever it was but there wasn't anything for this and I wasn't given any options for this. So it was, it was living in limbo for sure. And it, it wasn't a great feeling to just, you know, cross your fingers and hope that your next tests were stable. Mm. Are you aware of any treatments in development for Nash? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, about three years ago, I accidentally found a conference on NASH and they were talking about clinical trials. And until then, I didn't know that there, I mean, nobody had ever talked to me about clinical trials before. And um, I took that information back to my doctor and I've been on clinical trial for two years. Okay, how has that been going? It's going great. Um, I went from an F4 to an F23, and everything's in normal ranges. I still have a ton of fatigue. My thyroid is still off, but the liver, it's improved greatly. So, yeah, I'm super happy about that. Great. Okay. So what are you hoping, and and this is not to do with, um, obviously, what you're taking now, 
for the clinical trial, but in terms of a treatment that might be launched in the future at some point, what are you hoping that treatment would address? It could be addressing something physically or even allowing you to do something you're not really able to do now because it addresses your symptoms, for example. Gosh, I would, I would just love for there to be treatment for NASH. And I feel like it has to be not just pharmacological treatment, but like systemic and psychological, the whole gamut, because this disease affects so many different people from different backgrounds and walks of life. And there's lots of other comorbidities for people that have this disease that, you know, if you're somebody that has NASH that needs to work on your lifestyle changes and all that stuff, that there are programs for that person that that helps that person. If you're somebody like me that maybe your other issues were exaggerated by NASH, like my thyroid disease and, you know, fatigue and, and muscular issues, fibromyalgia and all of that, that there are treatments for that, or maybe the treatment for NASH helps to, I don't know, regulate those issues. I just feel like that there needs to be a treatment that's approved that will protect your liver as you work on the stuff that you can control, if that makes any sense. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Okay. And I guess, what is your feeling now, knowing that there are treatments being developed for NASH? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel hopeful because, you know, there's only so much I can do on my end that I feel like research and science and and the medical doctors can come up with a way to treat this disease chronically the same way that diabetes is treated or even my thyroid disease is treated. You know, here's something that will protect your liver and keep it from harming itself or keep you from harming it or to keep it sustained for your lifetime. That's what I'm hoping happens, that I hope that all of the people who are like me the first two years who didn't ask any questions that their doctors mention clinical trials or whatever FDA approved drug comes along immediately instead of saying, you know, go lose weight and exercise or do you drink? You have to quit drinking. Those kinds of things. Yes, you have to do all of those things, but you know, here, let's try clinical trial. You're worth that. So that's what I'm hoping happens is that people find out about this sooner rather than later. Okay, thank you for that, Katie. Thank you again for taking us through your experience. So in our next podcast, we will be talking about information and support related to NASH. So we hope everyone can join us for that session. But thank you again, Katie, for your input on that.